Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 through 11. I'll be reading it out of the NIV. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achison of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spout the region. So the men went up and spied out to Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will be necessary for us to go up to Ai. Just send two or three thousand men to take it, and don't, be, don't weary or overwhelm the whole army. But it's only a few people that live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes, wore them out. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. He prayed and cried all day to nighttime. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads as a sign of grief and desperation. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. I mean, excuse your servant. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and, and the other people of the country will hear about how bad we got whooped and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, get up. What are you doing down there on your face? I mean, I'm, praying, I'm talking to you because it's your fault that we lost. No, no, no. Israel has sinned. I know I said I was going to read the NIV version, but I decided to read mine. I'm sorry. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the King James Version says accursed things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. And all of God's people said, amen. Just tell the person beside you, tell them, losing battles. For about 15 minutes, if you give me your attention, I want to talk to you about losing battles. You know, uh, I have to sit through people reading my bio on the road. I have to hear my bio being read either uh, by somebody reading it from a piece of paper or some sort of video presentation multiple times a week. As I travel from church to church and conference to conference, it is one of the most uncomfortable moments throughout the week. Not, you know, the walking out is a little uncomfortable because I feel like when I walk out to churches and they don't know you or they're seeing you for the first time, they, they're like looking you up and down. 
And then I forget how to walk. <laughs> I'll be like, how do I walk? <laughs> you know, because if you overthink something you do usually, it becomes complicated. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the other awkward moment is when they say, Bishop S.Y. Younger was born, and I was like, oh my goodness. How was, you know, how do I supposed to look? When they do that, do I supposed to go like this? Or do I supposed to say, yes, that's me? Or do I be real humble, like don't call my name? What, what do I supposed to do, right? The reason why I don't like my bio being read, because of the attention, of course, but um, my bio is incomplete. It really is. Now, everything that's in my bio is correct. But to me, it comes off a little dishonest. Because my bio is filled with all of my accomplishments. All of my victories. All of my triumphs. Right? But the truth is, there's a whole lot of stuff in between those lines my God that's not inclusive in my bio it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't look good for me for me to tell you they tell you in my bio that I graduated from Gretna High School but they don't tell you that I graduated a year late my bio says I attended Liberty University it never says I graduated my bio said, I got filled with the Holy Ghost at 12 years old. But it don't talk about the moments I struggled with fornication from after I took out the Holy Ghost. It don't talk about that part. There's a whole lot of stuff between the lines. There's a whole lot of stuff between the lines that make me see that bio sometimes is fraudulent. And it's not important that everybody know all of your details. I know there's a difference uh, in being secretive and using discretion and transparency don't mean you tell all of your business to everybody. <laughs> I'm just being real. You can be real and wrong. You can be strong and wrong. <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm just, all right, all right. <laughs> It's not important that all of them know. What's really important as we come and we ascend to consecration is that you know what's between those lines. It's, it's important that you know the whole story. It really is. It's important that there's an acknowledgement that comes from you because you're studying only your victories does not ensure your future victories. I'm going to say it again. You just studying all of your accomplishments and shining all of your trophies and dusting off all of your certificates does not secure you for every future victory. If you really want to secure yourself for future victories, don't just study the footage of all of your accomplishments but you need to study the footage of your failures uh, you need to go you need to say okay where did we go wrong at, in this game 
Okay, I know we're in the locker room and we're ready to blame everybody and we're ready to blame who didn't do what and who didn't block and who didn't do it. But we need to go over that footage and say, hold on, where did I go wrong here? So, not to condemn myself, not to beat myself up, not to walk in condemnation, condemnation and, and, and shame, but I'm studying my flaws. Because the more you study what's, what happened between the lines, you will start to discover the pattern. My Lord. Because some of us always see things isolated. You see, everything is isolated. That one time. That one time. Because everybody makes mistakes that one time. Because what you keep on doing, you keep isolating situations. Isolated relationships. Why? Because some of you psychologically, you don't know if you could handle if you stood back and you looked at, hold on, no, no, okay, every, okay, every six months, uh, okay, every six months, uh, every six months, uh, after a while, there's a pattern to your dysfunction. And so when I learn my pattern, I know when I come up on this six month mark, I need to be sober. I need to, I need to realize it could be different characters, but the same enemy. Tell your neighbor, there's a pattern to my dysfunction. And that's what the enemy don't want me to know that. He don't want me to acknowledge that. As long as I blame you, I don't have to be responsible. As long as it's my parents' fault, I never have to deal with it. As long as it's the church people's fault, then I don't have responsibility to change it. So I settle myself in victimization. Because I don't want to pull back to see, hold on. Same plot, different characters. Same spirit, different presentation. Whoo! So, so, so how how do I how do I lose battles? What makes us lose battles? For all of you that are writing, you need to write this down. You lose battles when you use the wrong weapons. You know what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says? If I start it, you know it. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Stop right there. Just stop right there. Because we say it, but when we get in battles, we reach for what's carnal. When we end up in confrontations, we start, we start fighting spiritual warfare with carnal means and wonder why we keep losing the battle. If, if the enemy is fighting your children, see, I, I, listen, now, 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 be, be, now be, uh, be careful now with me. Now, I, I, I believe in discipline. And, and I believe if a child slap you, uh, yeah. amen. I got to be careful what I say. I know I'm streaming live. Yeah, I, I, my mama used to say, I'm going to get you where you did it. But let me tell you something. At some point, though, when you discern that what your child is dealing with is spiritual, yeah. 
you can't beat a demon out of a child. Now, y'all got to hear what I'm saying to you. Because some of us end up abusing our child and feeling validated when you have to realize the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You've got to sense it in the spirit when something else is going on, when there's been a portal. Hallelujah. Don't you know that's something that you can carry in your blood that does not manifest in you but manifest in your child? You can carry a gene for red hair and you don't have red hair and you produce a child with red hair. And some of our children are dealing with things that came through us and manifested in them. And you got to have a prayer life. You can't, come on, you got to use a weapon of choice. You got to use an intentional weapon when you're dealing with spiritual matters. You keep, you know when the enemy's fighting in your marriage? So you start using your mouth to get even? They say something with you so you dig up something on them? Uh-oh, don't, <laughs> And then it's go back and forth. And now it's supposed to be covenant, sleeping in two different rooms. God didn't bless y'all with a house, and now the house is full of tension. Hmm. The weapons of, thank you. <laughs> the weapons about, y'all covering me? <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not, tell your neighbor, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You, you lose you lose battles when you try to lean on the arm of the flesh for your victory. When you stay in your feelings and you stay in your head, it causes you to never get in the spirit. You got to see it for what it is. Whew. All right. Number two. One way we lose battles is where we lay our head at night. Where do you lay your head at night? What's coming into your ear gates at night? What's coming through your eye gates? Some of you are pretty good in the day because you stay busy. But what are you putting in your spirit at night? What vice are you yoked to at night? What thing has your total attention at night? I'm telling you, see, we do pretty good in the day, but is that maintaining at night when we get by ourselves? That maintaining at night when loneliness creeps in, we start using things and using people to numb our loneliness. It's at nighttime. Tell your neighbor, it's nighttime. It's nighttime. I'm busy during the day. But if, if the enemy can't get me at night, he'll try, in the day he'll try to fool with me at night. And where you choose to lay your head at night can determine what kind of outcome of your battle in the morning. I got scripture for it. Anybody ever went through a night season of your life and you mishandled it? Anybody ever went through a night season and you mishandled your night season? And when it was time to go to battle. If Samson was here, he'd testify. And he'll tell you. 
I had strength in my hair until I laid my head in the wrong lap. And some of us, the enemy got his fingers in our minds manipulating the way we think. Manipulating our thought pattern. Mm. Thinking everybody's against us. Manipulating our, our thought pattern. Thinking every, every time someone near you is on the phone, they're working against you. Everything your spouse is doing is potentially cheating on you. The, the enemy will get in your head, make you think the church is against you. He'll, he'll get in your head, then make you wonder, does church even work? Should I even go anymore? He'll, he'll put his fingers, he'll put his fingers here. Maybe I had it easier before I got in church. He'll start putting his fingers in your head. And then when a battle comes, you'll shake yourself and find yourself with no strength to fight. Ask your neighbor this question and y'all don't have to answer. And I hope we all got the same answer, but we don't. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, who's controlling your mind? Who's got your mind? Who's got your mind? Because your body is here, but your mind is not. Who's got your mind? I'm sitting across the table at, with you at dinner and we sit here at the same table eating the same meal but my question is who's got your mind to the point I said one thing but you heard something totally different who's got your mind you're hearing everything through a lens that's polluted that's contaminated because somebody got your mind mm. So you got to be careful about laying your head in the wrong lap. Why do we, why do we lose battles? And I'll end with this one. Because we carry things from the past into our present. What is it that you're dragging along? No, for real. What is it? In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David was very wise because when they got back to their city, Ziglag, they realized that the city had been burned down. And not only had the city been burned down, Adrian, their wives had been taken captive and their children. And what happens? The men began to cry. And when a man cries publicly, the men began to cry. And when people get emotional, they can make some bad decisions. How many have said some things you wish you could take back? Woo. How many have done some things in your emotions you wish? I know we said we don't supposed to have any regrets, but I got at least a few of them. <laughs> the men cry, and then they says, we should kill David, because it's David's fault. <laughs> David had to encourage himself in the Lord. The Lord says, David, pursue. Go after the enemy. I'm going to give you victory. So David goes toward the enemy, but David made a wise decision. He said, hold on, y'all, this group right here, 
listen, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go uh, get our families. But what I need y'all to do, stay here with the stuff. <laughs> now, ironic, Pastor Westgate, when you read First Samuel chapter 30, the Bible says everything was burned down. <laughs> so what stuff did he have them covering? In other words, he was giving them a courtesy assignment. Y'all stay here with the stuff. We'll go get the children. We'll go get the wives. Why did David tell that group to do that? Because they had cried so long that they had lost their strength to fight. You can keep crying and getting drained over stuff that happened in the past so long that you lose strength to fight for your own future. So he said, y'all sit here because he, he had an understanding. If I take them with me, they could cause me to lose the battle. If I take them with me, not only do I got to fight the enemy, but I got to cover them. And many of us lost battles because we were fighting other people's battles. Some of us lost battles because we were trying to fight for other people's assignments. Some of us lost our minds because we were dealing with other people's insanity. Hmm. I knew it was something I had to change. I knew it was something I had to change. Because I'm going to tell y'all, I, uh, I, in our church, the standard of our church is that we don't engage in social drinking. Um, we don't do it because of our assignment. And it's a slippery slope. And some things it's better for us not to entangle ourselves in than entangle ourselves in and get consumed by it. Oh, don't y'all get tight. I know who y'all are in here. Don't get tight. It's all right. I'm just having a conversation. But I found myself preaching against it and then carrying on the assignment of the people to the point it came a moment in my own life. I said, hold on, I need a little something. Oh, y'all want to read my bio. Oh, no, no. I'm telling you what's between the lines. No, for real. I started trying to figure out where can I get it and nobody sees me. Then I'm like, well, I go to D.C. all the time and the, the, I, there's always a fragrance in the atmosphere there. So I don't even know how do you supposed to walk up to somebody and ask them, um, hey, hallelujah. You know, how do you, you know, because I'm a church, but I don't, I don't even know how to ask for it. I probably would have messed up and said something outdated. Do you have any reefer? I mean, anything outdated. Come on, old school. You know what I'm talking about. And I almost felt justified. And okay, well, it, it, it should be okay. I mean, because you know, but then I said, hold on. What about the standard that I preach? Now, I got to live that thing. I can't be intoxicated by what I'm supposed to be casting out. So I said, what about up? Then I said, hold on, but Lord, I can't keep doing it. I'm getting overwhelmed. I need something to sedate all of this stuff, all of the stuff that I'm hearing every day, all of this stuff I'm experiencing, all of the stuff that I'm working out every day. And here I am finding myself about to engage in a vice 
because of other people's battles and then the Lord finally spoke to me and told me I didn't tell you to take on all of that I told you to lead them to me not for you to be me I told you to teach them to, that means it's okay to pull back it's okay to unplug and those people who are not okay when you unplug is because they are trying to drain you to make you be something that God never called you to be then when I started pulling back then I realized I said oh I don't need the liquor. My victory is in my obedience. My shalom is when I'm in the will of God. So anything, when I find myself losing peace, that means I got to take some people off of me. Losing peace, I got to take some stuff off of me. And when I take it off of me, God is still God. What makes you think if you stop being the hero of your family, that means God will stop being God? What makes you think if when you stop trying to be everybody's rescue, that God will stop being God? Here I am, at my age, going to the doctor, having all of these EKGs, and then I said, hold on, no, 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 no. And I got one more test I got to go back for, but I told him I'll come after consecration. After consecration. After consecration. After consecration. Yeah, yeah, God. So somebody, somebody told me, well, well, look like to me you should stop preaching and tell after you get all your tests back. I said, no, because my preaching is a part of my own deliverance. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I'm going to live through all the way through consecration to the point if I fall out on the stage, y'all come and tap me and say, no, no, no. God said you're going to leave. Oh my God. Hear me. So what happens when you drag people and stuff from the past into the present? You start losing battles. To the point, the children of Israel, they come across the Jordan River and they're looking at a 45, oh man, man, I'm passing my time. Y'all give me three minutes. They come, they they come against a fortified city, a superpower, Joshua Whitaker, uh, Jericho. Walls are so wide that two chariots can drive by them at the same time. Two-way traffic on top of a wall. Walls so thick that people got their houses built into it with their own businesses like Rahab. Fortified walls. Big city. How in the world are we going to overcome this city? I got a whole bunch of nomadic people who've been slaves for 400 years and now been in the wilderness for 40 years. Hallelujah. Wait for the Lord to feed them every day out, out of the sky and water coming out of a rock. Now how in the world are we going to overtake a fortified city? Through your obedience. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I found my weapon for victory. 
Tell them it's more than my shout. It's my obedience. I'm a preacher, y'all, over here. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to obey God so I can live. Come on, look at somebody else. Tell them, I'm going to obey God so I can live. This is what you're going to do. You're going to follow my instruction. And my instructions is walk around that wall. Hold on. You go to that ramp church? And y'all fasting? I'm going to say y'all do too much. I'm just being obedient. I mean, does it really take all of that? Yes. It takes the instructions of God to give you victory. Mm. And maybe I'm doing something you ain't doing because my victory is different than yours. Mm. I got some stuff that's been fighting me. I got some weapons that's been pointing in my direction. Evidently, there's got to be more to me than my mistakes. There's got to be more to me than my last name. There's got to be more to me than my skin color. There's got to be a purpose. The reason why the enemy is doing everything he can to push me off my post. So walk, walk. Seven day. Walk seven times. So that means it's uh, one time each day. That's six days. So they walked around six days. Up to the seventh day, they walked seven times. So that means they walked a total of 13. Did I get that math right? So 13 judges in the book of Judges that was raised up every time that enemy tried to overcome them. God raised up a judge to overtake their enemy. So the number 13 is a sign of God breaking cycles. And so what happened? After seven times, they shouted and the walls caved in. You can go to Jericho today and see the excavation of the site. Walls caved in. And they came in and got victory. God says, I'm going to give you the victory. All I'm going to tell you to do is don't touch nothing in Jericho. Don't carry nothing with you because Jericho stuff is cursed. Now, it look good, but it's cursed. Jer- Jericho stuff is like, like the milk in your refrigerator. It's good as long as it's standing the place it's in within the time that is designated. If you take it past the time that's designated, what was good to you can make you sick. <laughs> And so he said, just don't touch nothing. But what we're going to do with all this, let it be a tithe unto me. Whatever I asked for in the beginning, just let it be a tithe unto me. Okay. On to the next victory. Yeah, we got this. Yeah, listen, listen, Joshua, it ain't but a handful of people there. So sister, sister, army just finished with big Jericho. Let let the army rest and just send a, a few over, over there because, you know, AI ain't got no walls and they ain't got no chariots. Got a little handmade tools and, and BB guns. We could just take them. And all of a sudden, Julie, when the, when the Israelites came in, kind of cocky and confident because we got God on our side. We got God. We got God. Walking in disobedience. We got God. 
operating in rebellion. We got God. See, see, we always brag about the fact that we're on the Lord's side. But when you go to battle, you better make sure the Lord is on your side. <laughs> and the Bible said that little country town knocked the brakes off of those Israeli soldiers. I mean, knocked the brakes off of them to the point they took off running. And you don't ever suppose, you know, Israel has this thing. You don't turn your back to your enemy. All of our armors on the front. <laughs> Breastplate, <laughs> shield of faith. It's all on the back. You don't turn your back to the enemy. You drive forward. But when they saw they were losing, the Bible says 36 of them died. There was a casualty because of somebody's disobedience. How many people have suffered because of our disobedience? How many people have suffered because of our pride? I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you may not be perfect, but you better not be prideful. Whew. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. I haven't did everything right, but I stayed humble before God. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said that, that uh, when they got back, Josh was like, hold on, hold on, slow down. What's going on? No, you wouldn't believe what happened. Hold on, what's happened? They killed 36 of our men. What? What? Oh, my God. Uh -oh. oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He gets down. He started wailing. He's like, hold on. Somebody said, now, why, Joshua? You, 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 you're being dramatic. No, he's not. Because they got more cities that they got to conquer. And Joshua says, if every, once everybody find out that that little small town of Amherst. Come on. Once you find out the Appomattox. Enemies can't, you know. If you're from Appomattox, we love you. Amen. Once they find out that a small enemy defeated us, everybody going to rise up against us. He said, y'all don't realize what this is. See, many of us have downplayed some of our failures, but you don't know what's connected to it. Some of us, ah, oh, it's just, a, no, 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 no. You better see what it is. And the Bible said he began to cry. He got on his face and then all the elders fell, fought, fell suit with him and they started crying and everybody been, oh God, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? God, I didn't serve you. Lord, I worship you. Because that's what we end up doing. We start making an indictment against God. Your arms are too short to box with God. It's God's fault. Why did God let this happen? Lord, let him get it out. And then the Lord says, oh, get up. No, you got to read to him. He said, get up. You're not impressing me. Get up. He said, it ain't me. You got the curse thing in your camp. You lost your battle because somebody among you brought something from the past into the present. Because somebody connected you. Keep on dragging old stuff and repeating old stuff. 
dragging the old system, the old way of thinking. Old relationships. Things that God brought death to. You trying to drag around a dead body. And dead bodies. In Israel, they bury you within 24 hours. Because they don't embalm. They don't preserve dead things. Y'all know, y'all know funerals in America is big business. We got to get you in a nice casket and we going to brag about all the flowers. No, in Israel, they put you in a simple casket and they get you in the grave within 24 hours because they said diseases spread in the camp when dead bodies are left lying. And many of us have left our dead works lying. Not buried, but just lying around. At some point, you're going to realize there's some things. This is this is this is what I'm tell you why we know it's dysfunctional. There's some things we've conquered, and we still carry them. What happens when God has taken the desire? Now, now I'm gonna go say something. Some of y'all gonna tell it. You don't. If, if you don't connect with it, it's okay. And I hope you never have to connect with it. But what happens? When the temptation is no longer there. But the familiarity is. And now you don't pull it in anymore because it's tempting. You pull it in because it's familiar. Oh my God. You start doing stuff out of default. You start doing stuff because it's what you all thank y'all for not leaving me up here by myself. You start doing it because it's what you've always done and you have an emotional memory connected to it. You have physical memory. Have you ever drove to the church and it won't even Sunday? It's almost like your car knew to turn this way and you said, why am I going this way? This ain't my work day. I shouldn't be going to work. But you start moving out of default. It's like an autopilot on the inside of you takes over. And you look up and say, hold on, how did I get over here to the school? I don't even have class today. It's like my card knew. So what am I going? Hold on, what? Yeah, somebody brought the curse thing. So he said, stop talking to me. You need to address it. You need to address it. Because you're going to either address it or you're going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, uh, they found out who it was. It was Aiken. It was Aiken. He said, yeah, I saw it and I know I should have, you know, left it. This is a crazy thing. Two different dispensations. Two different dispensations. You know what happened in the, in the dispensation under the law? You know. Wages of sin is. Aiken confessed. I mean, once he was found out. And he said, I was sorry. And Joshua said, yeah, you shouldn't have did that. And you know what they did? They took Aiken, his wife, his children, his animals, and everything, put them in the valley. This is a part of the gory parts of the Bible that we don't like to deal with. And everybody in Israel stood with stones and stoned them to death. Why? 
because they were trying to remove any remembrance of Achan out of the camp. It's only in our culture that you get a legacy for wrongdoing. We make people popular for being toxic. That's why, no, really, this is why some of us stand off of social media that week is going to be good because I see even some of our young people, they start acting out reality TV show personalities. I mean, I see some of the young girls in our church. Sometimes they're trying to act like Nene and all of them. Is that her name, Nene? Yeah, I know. Come on, y'all left me out here like, oh, no, y'all know. I don't know. I don't know it. They said, we want to remove any remembrance of it. As we get ready for consecration, I want you to start gathering things. Tangible things. Intangible things. Start grabbing things. I don't care if you got to put it in a bag and, and put a knot on it and lay it on the altar. We don't just need water and oil on the altar. We need to put some stuff in the valley this week. Some stuff that says, no, no, I want to remove the remembrance of it. I don't want the residue of it. I don't want to keep rehearsing it. I don't want to keep going back to it. I got good news. Under the old covenant, Achan confessed and still had to pay. Under the new covenant, we confess and he already paid. Will you thank the Lord for that? We just thank the Lord for it. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash you whiter than snow. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.